Hello, and welcome to the Happy You Are Here podcast. In this show, we share ideas, tools, and techniques to try to help us all live a little bit more fulfilled life. It's been a while, and uh, I've probably released a few new episodes now. And this episode, we're going to talk about the illusion of self, the imposter that's in your brain that's making you miserable. To anyone in the self-development space or people that have studied philosophy, this is nothing new. So I'm going to move past some of the basics pretty quickly here, but I do want to cover them just in case you're listening and you're kind of like, wait, what? <laughs> because honestly, when I first when it first really clicked, I'd heard this a lot when I was reading philosophy that the self is not real and blah, blah, blah. I didn't really understand what that meant. What really clicked for me was when I was reading the book Solve for Happy. That book spoke to me in a ton of ways, mostly just because it was kind of ex assessing human suffering and happiness in the language that I understood, which was very logical. There's plenty of philosophy throughout history that is focused on this, but this book really cut through. And part of the thing that really blew my mind was when he talked about the voice in your head not being you. Now, to put that simply, if you're sitting and you're thinking, and there's this voice running in your head. A lot of us think that this internal narrative is us. That's me talking, right? What if that's not you? And if you've never really come to this conclusion, then this is a pretty revolutionary thing, and you're probably going to push back against it because that little voice is gonna say, no, this is me, I'm you, I'm, this is, I, because it has the power, so it wants to keep the power. That is, some people call it the ego, it's kind of a, technically not correct in um, terms of the definition of what ego is, but it is basically there uh, to protect you. It's your anxieties, it's your thoughts narrated, and it's trying to protect you. It's, it's there for a reason. Evolutionarily, it's there for a reason. It's kind of assessing the information that's around you and finding you know, what's the best possible way forward. And the reason that a lot of us get so caught up in anxiety is because this voice has a tendency constantly towards What's the worst thing that could happen? What's the worst thing that could happen right now? What's the worst thing that is happening? What's the worst thing that did happen? What's the worst thing that could happen? And those are not real. It's also the thing that puts everything in boxes. It looks at things and says, this is the way things are. And it feels like it's right. If you practice meditation at all, if you even try to comprehend not being that voice. Because that voice is silent sometimes. If you're in a state of flow, which is where you get caught up in doing something, that voice is not there, it's not present. You're still there, you're still doing a thing, you're still sewing or editing videos or going on a jog, whatever it is that causes you to go into that flow state. Well, how can you explain that voice not being there if that voice is you. Now, if you've never experienced this, this is really hard to wrap your head around and kind of the path to do that is meditation and that's not what this video is about. You are something else, you're, you're this observer. The idea of the self is very hard to define. Obviously, plenty of people for millennia have been trying to define that and some people think that they figured it out and some people don't and some people think that the idea of self is just an illusion and I'm not here to really come up to any new conclusions on any of those things, but it is helpful for your mental health and it's helpful for your spiritual health to understand that that voice is not you. That voice is an imposter. That voice wants you to think that it's you because it gives it a lot of power. And the voice is not to be silenced. You're not supposed to, it's supposed to be there. It's not that you should silence it and never listen to it. There are some times where it's right and there's some times that it's helpful and it's going to be there whether you like it or not. Learning to pull yourself out, pull yourself away from it, experience what's called the observer state is a pretty big game changer. 
because you start to learn that you stop being ruled by those thoughts and you start to be able to observe those thoughts and through the observing of those thoughts you can change the thoughts and you can change the narrative that's going on in your brain and this is huge i mean we've talked about this in other episodes i've kind of alluded to it and said that we're going to talk about this more so that's what this episode is now there's kind of four stages of of things that happen in your brain there is input there's sensory input there's experiencing something and then from that there is feeling there's emotion why do you feel about it and then there's thoughts that are caused and informed by those emotions and then there is the separate state of the observer that's watching all of this happen watching the play go on in front of it and obviously there's different models for explaining that but that's how I want to uh, use that just for this just for this example and the reason I want to do it that way is because I want to point out that those are four distinct things and three of them you don't have a lot of control over and for the further down that line you go the more control you do have you don't really have a lot of control over what happens to you what are the sensory inputs what you see what you hear what you feel you do have some control over that and we've talked about you know curating your life a little bit to you know consume less negative news to see less negative things to experience less suffering in your life but you're not going to ever be able to completely control your environment and completely make sure that everything around you is always good and happy and great the way that you feel about that environment is going to inform the things that you think about it and then the things that you think about yourself and then the things you think about life in general. You can start to conceptualize emotions and feelings as a separate thing from your thoughts and a separate thing from you. It's a thing that you are experiencing. It's kind of a lens that you're experiencing things through and then those things are getting through that lens of feeling to your thoughts and then to the observer. Hopefully I'm not losing you here. <laughs> the interesting thing, uh, interesting way to look at it, and this is helpful for me, is to realize that thoughts are an electrical impulse in your brain, if you're looking at it purely from a materialist standpoint. Emotions and feelings are a chemical reaction in your brain. So they're from hormones and they're from chemicals that are interacting with that electrical network, but they're separate. They're two different things. Thoughts can change like that. Emotions take a little bit to change because it's like you filled up, imagine, this is way over oversimplifying emotions, but imagine there's just a liquid, a, a chemical that is sadness. Or maybe there's another liquid that is anger and there's another liquid that is fear and there's another liquid that is happiness. And I argue that fulfillment, the sense of wholeness, sense of everything being all right is actually separate from all of those things. It's separate. So I don't want you to confuse happiness and fulfillment in this example. If something happens that makes you sad, sometimes usually that's an involuntary reaction. Your brain fills up with this liquid um, and everything that's coming in, everything that someone's saying to you, everything that you're seeing is reflecting through this sad liquid. Maybe you do something that makes you feel good. Maybe you relax a little bit. Maybe you journal on everything that you love in life. That will dissipate the sadness, but it's not going to turn it off like that. What's going to happen is it's going to drain out and kind of the same thing with anger. You know, it's not going to just go away like that. It, it does go away much quicker than sadness, but it's going to flood out and it's different because with a thought, you can change a thought instantly. You can change the direction of your thoughts instantly. And it might not be easy and it's difficult sometimes, but you can, you can do that instantaneously because it's an electrical signal. This is kind of a theory of mine. It's not 
new or revolutionary in any way, but just a, a, it's a way of conceptualizing things that I don't hear other people talk about that I find really fascinating and interesting that I came to through some meditation. It's just the difference. Conceptualize, it's helpful to have this conceptualization this difference between emotions being kind of a liquid movement, having that kind of slow movement to them, you have a little less control over it. You can open and close the gates and allow it to flood out and flood in, but it doesn't happen instantaneously. And I think a lot of us get frustrated because we want it to happen instantaneously. We want it to happen like it's a thought and it's not. Those are two different things. They're two different, they're operating in two different physical realms electricity and chemical reactions. So then there's, on top of that, the observer. What What is watching all of these things unfold? And this is where you can come to these kind of insights about the way your brain works and the way your thoughts work. And you are able to separate yourself. And I don't mean this in a, in a detached disassociation kind of way. It's almost you're getting closer to it. You're getting closer to the truth of what those feelings are. You're getting closer to the truth of what those thoughts are. You're getting closer to the truth of what those experiences outside of you are by separating yourself from them and looking at them closely. You're not separating yourself from them and walling them off. You're separating yourself from them and looking at them closely. And I think these conceptualizations that I'm talking about often, they help you to look at it, and but you're gonna find things that work for you that click with the way that you think and help you conceptualize it in a way that you can work with. But it's really, really important to understand that the observer, the person, the you that is watching all of this happen is separate from those thoughts because those thoughts can really, really get you and they can convince you that they're you. And it's a pretty revolutionary moment that I wish I could explain better, but I can't. <laughs> It's just what it is. You kind of have to experience it to understand it. And I hope that maybe this helped click something for you the way that when I read Solve for Happy, clicked something for me. All of a sudden, all of the things that the Buddha was talking about and some of the teachings of Jesus and, and Stoicism started to make a lot more sense. And there are things that I've been reading about for five plus years and didn't really understand until, you know, I had this click. Uh, and it was just through reading a book. And so maybe this hopefully can do that for some people. Maybe not. Maybe it's just an interesting thing for you to think about. Let me know. Let me know what you think. Reach out somewhere and uh, let's have a discussion about this, about the observer um, and about the difference between emotions, thoughts, and experiences and how those things all funnel together and kind of inform each other because understanding how your brain works is essential to having a healthy brain. I'm happy you're here with me. Thanks for listening to this episode. I'll see you around.